0: Hi, everyone. Mike here. Today's guest is a first for the show with our very first actor, Jeremy Swift. In the conversation, we discuss Jeremy's start in the business, skills actors can take from theatre to TV and film, being directed by Robert Altman in Gosford Park, meeting Dick Van Dyke on Mary Poppins Returns, how being musical helps him act in Ted Lasso, the new music he has on the way, and more. That's enough from me. Here's Jeremy.
1: Although I, was, I had been around the block, there were more stars in that than you could shake a stick at. I mean, I've never been in a project with so many knights and dames of the realm. You know, it was, it was, uh, it was incredible.
0: Hello, and welcome to Red Carpet Rookies. My name is Mike Battle, a film crew member turned screenwriter working in London. Each episode, I bring you life lessons and stories. From the people behind your favorite movies and shows to help demystify the business for aspiring filmmakers and fans alike thanks for joining me let's get started today's guest is a sag award winning emmy nominated actor and musician with an extensive career featuring parts in iconic films such as robert altman's gosford park you will likely know him best from turns in downton abbey Mary Poppins returns, and most recently as the lovable Higgins in Apple TV's smash hit Ted Lasso. If that wasn't enough, he also finds the time to make music with previous album Everything's a Joke and more on the way soon. My guest is Jeremy Swift. How are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm very good, thank you, and thank you for being here. Now, Jeremy, I ask all of my guests the same first question, and that is what did your parents do, and how did it affect your career choices moving forward? Um, My parents were both teachers um,
1: and they were sort of into the arts in an amateur way. They both did, uh, uh, you know, sort of Gilbert and Sullivan operas with and and that kind of thing. And when they were a bit younger, they did do drama. Um, They were both music teachers. So, uh, yeah, it affected me, uh, you know, uh, uh, (laughs) affected me. Um, Yeah, influenced me a lot. My mum took me to, when I was 11, there was an art center that opened and she said, let's go and join it. And I was the first member. I was, my membership card was zero (laughs) zero one. And I used to go there. I used to go to improvisation acting uh, classes. And I used to go to a folk club where, you know, some, some guys from school we would go along and we'd play with these very stoned hippies who would teach us um, some chords and stuff? So yeah, that, yeah, that we, we that they were very hugely influential. Yeah, um, yeah, it, it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have happened without them. Yeah, and my my mom because I didn't want to do like O levels and GCSEs really anymore. I'd had enough at school. She suggested that I go to this local technical college where there was uh, a drama course because I'd done a play and I'd done all this improvisation and what have you. So that's how it. Went from there, and and we did we we did sort of acting exams, and then we were put forward. We were sort of trained to sort of do audition speeches for drama schools. So that's how it worked out. But it, you know, I was a long way from where all of the drama schools were, and you know, I'd 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 have to get an overnight train to um to London for the for these castings or or, or Bristol, you know, um and one. One of them, you know, it was snowing in the northeast. Um, so I had <laughs> Wellingtons on. And by the time I got to London, I, it was sunny and dry. So that was me walking around saying, Do you know the way to work? Chalk farm.
0: <laughs> you know, like some <laughs> classic out of towner. But yeah. I love it. To go back one generation again. How do you think your grandfather would feel to know that you're on TVs in everyone's house in the world these days in shows like Ted Lasso when he was the only one on his street to have a TV back in the day?
1: Oh, you know, oh yeah, yeah. Have you seen that? Yeah, um, gosh, I know. Uh, well, that that particular grandfather died when I was very, very young, sadly. Um, um, so I don't really, can't really remember his character, but he was quite fun. I think he would have loved it. I mean, you know, I mean, generally speaking, my, you know, my family are, are, are increasingly, um, well, they're sort of used to it. And, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a British kind of, oh, yeah, very good. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's a kind of one sentence kind of appraisal of what happened. Oh you must be proud you know that's it um but they're very sweet about it yeah <laughs> it's uh, it's very it's quite funny you know my mum in particular was um was uh, was very supportive and um my dad um you know they're both passed now and my dad was slightly baffled but he, you know he was he was glad of it you know you know i think they i think he sort of thought soon he'll get a proper job you know <laughs>
0: Moving into the theatre in the beginning, prior to your TV work, and obviously I guess you were doing music as well at the same time, what lessons did you learn from those days that you've taken into your TV career?
1: Well, that's a very good question, because quite often with TV, there's a lot of instant acting and uh, they don't know most TV directors and indeed film directors, many of whom slightly scorn theater for example whenever you see theater in um in a drama setting like in succession or extras it's not really sympathetically or correct really it's it's always a kind of slightly cynical appraisal um but I, i i find that with theater i mean you can actually sometimes do too much. But you go into text and you go into backstory and you go into character and you have made, you can make lists depending on the director. You you have object objectives and all that stuff. The other extreme example is when I did a film for the Wachowski siblings, the scene that I did, which was Saturday, the first thing I did was sat at a table with about 12 other people. They filmed the rehearsal and I didn't even know people's names yet, you know. There, there was no process whatsoever, and you're expected that they are lucky. They sort of think it's just a bit of talent, but quite often it's to do with experience that you bring to it, because if you don't bring some of that stuff to it, you're not going to n- know what you're doing. You know, you're not, you you have to think ahead. You have to think when you when you're in, your character is interacting with another c- character, you have to think, what's the history behind this? Is this, as have we been down this road before? A TV director won't go into that. It's very rare. It's very rare that they'll do that. And you know there are some, but I would that that will, will like to do rehearsal, and they are great, and they benefit
0: from it. But I would say that's less than five percent of most TV and film directors. Interesting. Would you say that that is quite a connection there to the period work of which you've done a lot of? Because as I understand it. In period, you really don't change much of the writing, much of the words, much like in the theatre. Whereas in film and TV, sometimes that can be different, can't it?
1: Yes. Um, well, with period drama on television, yeah, yeah, you <laughs> you, you you usually you dealing with an adaptation, uh, some of which are great and some of which aren't so great. But you you can you can bring the same set of experiences to those characters, you know that, that you, you you know the other you, what you've got to factor in is you know whatever period it is, uh, you know what's the sensibility, you know it it might be more um, it might be more extreme, it might be this person has been the only survivor of eight siblings or whatever, you know, so you've got to take those kind of things into account, and but again. It, for example, uh, Gosford Park. I, I I did, and I had I had two, three nice scenes in that. But that was a modern take on a set uh, uh, in the nineteen uh, late nineteen twenties, and I had to write my own backstory for that because otherwise, I thought I don't know where this quite where this character is coming from. So I just I just wrote a two or three page potted sort of history, just for myself, so that I felt more
0: confident about going into it. You know. Well, I think you would need the confidence as well to be directed by Robert Altman. How was that?
1: It was fantastic. Um, although I was, I had been around the block. There were more stars in that than you could shake a stick at. I mean, it's. I can't think of. I've never been in a project with so many uh, knights and dames <laughs> of the realm. Uh, it was incredible. You know. Um, And I love Robert Altman very much. And I think I'm totally with him in particular on how his dialogue works. And I think everybody should do it. Everybody should cross over their dialogue. It just draws you in. That's the thing that, you know, it's one of the things he really pioneered. And you get, um, you always get sound engineers saying, we can't edit that. Of course they can. They can do anything now. Um, But um, he got quite cross about that at one point. He said, I don't want just line Line, line, just put it all together, you know, and that's and that's one of the one of the things he he was so fantastic at, and the the, the way he shot stuff as well. Uh, he had such a great sense of humour, I think, and he he I think he was a proper genius. Uh, you know, we, we we have a sort of stereotype of what a genius is, and you we don't really know what it, what it is. But after, because I I was lucky to work upstairs and downstairs with him. Some people just did sections of both. But there was myself, Alan Bates, and Richard E. Grant who worked on both sections of the shoot. And so I, I got to, after after about six weeks, I thought, wow, this is, this guy's got this whole story in his head, you know, and he allows himself to play with it as well. He just, you know, he's playful on set. So, ah, oh, such a joy to work with.
0: You mentioned there that you'd been around the block by that time, but you were yet to have your largest successes yet. And I noticed that you wrote diaries around that time, for the actors that are listening, what was the kind of feeling at the time in those diaries? You know, in your career, because so much was yet to come. You know, often things that you're doing now feel like everything, but actually, it's just apprenticeship for what's to come.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I think, um, I think uh, the uh, the split in the upstairs and downstairs did sort of get to me. I I must dig them out actually, and, and because I think it's twenty years. Uh, it's coming up for a twenty year celebration or whatever or of 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 the release of the movie. And um there are some people in it who who sort of disappeared a bit as well. Um and some have passed on. But I think I got a little bit um arsy after a while because I think there was you know you'd be doing a very long scene. You know, you must know when when you when you've got tons of people in a scene, there's so much coverage. So if you're doing a dinner table with 18 people sat down eight servants or what you know footmen uh, there's so much coverage that can take you know there was, there was there was two or three of those and they took several days to do each and you 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 know you'd stand the whole day um so i think that made me um <laughs> Basically, a little bit arsy in my diaries. I'd go come around. Fetch oh, me a claret. You know. <laughs> but um, I was, I was just fascinated by his his process. You know, I, I uh, it was fan-
0: fantastic to be on the same set as that man. Yeah, I really loved him. I thought it was so great. I can tell. I love it to go from one Julian Fellow script to another. Was it nerve-wracking to step onto such a late season of Downton, given that, unlike something like Ted Lasso, where no one knew anything about it in the beginning, you were already stepping into such a huge behemoth hit? I I know um, I wasn't because I hadn't
1: really watched it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've been. Uh, I think at the time I was really into. I don't know, the, the Sopranos or The Wire or something like that. So uh, I was just catching up on those all the time. So I didn't really know who anybody was, um, apart from, you know, M- M- Maggie and a few others. So I wasn't really nervous. And also, um, I didn't know whether I would be in it. I didn't have a contract to, um, I was just offered it and it was two scenes I was also doing Foil's War at the same time. Um, so I think that was I sort of fell into a bit of an ITV stable. So I just did the two scenes and they were great, actually. And um I, I I thought I would do, I thought, I wonder if anybody's done this kind of Northeast accent. So I did that's what I went for, and they really liked it. So um it gave me a bit of otherness, you know, within the show. <laughs> Uh, so uh, and then I thought, oh, that's it, and nobody said anything else. And then some other scripts arrived, and then uh, the next two series after that, I, I sort of did more and more. So it was um, it was very surprising. I didn't I didn't expect that at all. I just thought I'd just do a couple of guest appearances. Really,
0: it's hard to get through your career in time because there's so many things to talk about. But to go from one legend in Maggie to another in Dick Van Dyke. Could you tell us about working on Mary Poppins Returns and what that meant to you? And also for the screenwriters listening, you played the cartoon bad guy. What is it about those juicy roles that people can write that would appeal to an actor such as yourself?
1: Well, there were many things, but but as far as the script goes, I loved the audacity of uh, that character and I love playing pompous characters. Uh, like spratt you know although spratt's a dreadful person you know is a dreadful person but it's such fun to to play um uh so when you have a you know uh, an impact as that character uh, does very early on it changes the whole course of the begins the whole narrative of the of the of the film about the uh, about losing their their house that's it's very powerful and it's just fun to play with being a little bit evil i don't think i'd like to play a murderer or anything like that you know i think that would be i don't think a oh, 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 serial killer um but somebody who's yeah pompous and pompous and uh horrible it's it's yeah it's a lot <laughs> it's a lot of fun yeah but I, I love that was uh you know i'm so old that i saw that film when it you know mary poppins when it came out and it um uh it was such an emotional impact on me and to uh, to um to be in a sequel decades later was incredibly touching i I was very moved to be in it uh, you know um uh, and I thought it was really well done because people couldn't sort of um, it, it was such a high bar and such an iconic first film that to do a sequel is, is a big ask. But it, it, it was really successfully done. I thought I thought the script was great. It was very touching. It was awesome to have Dick Van Dyke on the, on the set. And that's the most dazzled I've ever been by meeting somebody because. You inevitably meet people and work with people who are known. If you get, you know, once you start in a particular trajectory, and you know, it's great and it's exciting. But you, I'm not saying you become acc- accustomed to it, but you have to work. You have to, you have to be in character, and you have to do all that kind of thing. But it's quite surreal to meet somebody like him, you know, uh, and I, t- for him to be as charming uh, as he was uh, was just a bonus, really.
0: Do you think your background in music helps you in more comedic roles like in Ted Lasso and things like that with the idea of the music of comedy?
1: Yeah, I think comedy and music um, are are intertwined, definitely. I I think... You know, Hannah Waddingham, who I do quite a lot of scenes with in Ted Lasso, is, you know, as you probably know, an amazing singer. And um, she just has music sort of pulsing through her. And I almost on the first day of filming I sort of discovered that we had a sort of rhythm, comedy rhythm that went between us. And um, it's just so delightful. It's really, really delightful. Um, yeah, I, I think it helps enormously with, with rhythm and pitch. Uh Uh, And even, you know, knowing songs, you know, sometimes the the scansion of of a line, you know, you know how that works. And sometimes you can say, you can take out one syllable of a line and it'll just be funnier. You're allowed to finesse in American comedy, quite often with British stuff you're not, but they love that. You know, they always have alternatives.
0: And you tell me this coming from a room filled with musical instruments, because you are, of course, a musician yourself. And how does it feel to be releasing new music again?
1: It's very exciting. Uh, I mean, for me, the, the main thrill of um, making music is when, I write, <laughs> is when I write it, you know, and when it comes out, you sort of think, when did I do that? I wrote this ages ago. Um, it's, you know, but I love the thrill of putting something together, um, just starting off one, with one component, whatever it can be, a bass line or a rhythm track or a, a bit of rhythm keyboard, and then sort of making sense of it all um it is hugely uh creatively satisfying um but no i am hugely pregnant with all this these songs you know it's a whole album that's going to come out in february i say a whole album it's eight songs but they're quite dense things they're about five minutes each you know it's quite widescreen kind of sound all of them are, are have got a different slightly different palette but they're They've got a lot of scope, I think. Um, uh, I hope people get into it because I'm. Uh... <laughs> if they don't, they don't, you know. Um, I know there's a lot of cynicism about actors making music, but I have been doing it. You know, I was doing it when I was a teenager. Uh, I used to sort of multi track. Uh, we had loads of tape recorders around our house. I used to multi track stuff synthesizers and things and keyboards that my me and my dad had built um and then i had a band and then i was in another band at drama school and a band when i was in my day 20s so it's stuff i've been doing on and off it's just very hard to do it all at the same time that's why i've never had a band really for, for about 30 years because i can't commit to you know if i've got some a filming uh, schedule ah, i can't commit to gigs you know you know we've got you know we've got a gig in Clapham or something Ooh, I can't do it you know um so <laughs> so which is a shame I do love playing with other people but um but this is the only way I
0: can do it really do it really myself speaking of gigs I did have one question for you which I feel is going to be a toughie. if you were to play a support slot with your music perhaps your new single Wonderland and it was a support slot to either Chic Roxy Music or David Bowie who would you choose
1: <laughs> wow um I guess it'd have to be Roxy music you've clearly been doing your research on it um uh, uh, of course uh, well I'm going to see um Roxy music on Friday which I believe it will be their last ever gig um, um uh, Roxy have been my sort of life uh for 50 years really um if I t- I don't want to mess up the signal but literally behind the screen here is um, an old poster of Roxy music for them. First album, right in front of me on my desk. But yes, uh, I guess I guess that, and I, I think that would go down probably the best
0: with that particular audience. I would hope. Fair enough, you managed it. I didn't know if you would be able to do it, but fantastic.
1: It's a struggle.
0: <laughs> now, Jeremy, to wrap up on Red Carpet Rookies, I do a quick fire questionnaire, which is my own homage to In the Actor Studio. So, if you could just think of whatever comes into your head, if that's okay. Yes. Now, number one is what is one of the best pieces of advice you've ever been given?
1: From my wife, care
0: more about your career. (laughs) Very good. Number two, do you have a favorite film? I think it's uh, Fanny and Alexander by Bergman. Very good. Number three, what gives you a reason to get out of bed every day for an early call time?
1: If I'm very cynical,
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's money.
1: Uh, Because just uh, your mind state uh, is not very sophisticated at that time of day. (laughs) But, you know, I hope to have fun and be creative that day. But if it's half past five and it's four days on a trot, that's the way, that's what's going to get you out of bed.
0: I've been there. Number four, which job in the industry would you do if you weren't doing yours? Composer, of film, music. I saw you do one before, didn't you? Was it Dracula or something like that? I, I
1: did. I have. I've done bizarrely a couple of sort of horror films. I did. Uh, uh, well, yeah. I did a, a, a werewolf thing for the Discovery Channel about sixteen, 16 years ago. And from my um, friend of fifty years or so, James Gaddis, uh, he did a one-person play about Dracula, and I did the music for
0: that this uh, this January, which he took on tour. Very cool. Composo. haven't had that one before, I don't think. Number five, if you could work with one person, living or dead, who would it be? Sorry, that's hard. Um, Brian Eno. Interesting answer. Number six, what is a book that everyone should read? Gosh. <laughs> oh, um, the
1: book uh, about David Bowie, um, the um, Dylan Jones, isn't it? The uh, That compiled it of um, lots of interviews of different people talking about David Bowie. Um, It's one of the most fantastic books I've ever read. Fantastic.
0: And finally, if you won an Oscar, who would you thank? My parents and my wife. And on that note, thank you to Jerry Swift for joining me today. For your amazing stories and insight into the craft of acting, be sure to check out his new single Wonderland coming out October 14th, and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of Red Carpet Rookie's To help us grow and be able to interview more amazing film and TV professionals, please do subscribe and drop us a rating on the Apple Podcast Store on your iPhone or online if you're an Android user. If you're interested in regular updates, the best thing you can do is to join our mailing list at redcarpetrookies.com or alternatively, find us on Instagram at redcarpetrookies or Twitter at rcrookiespod. I also tweet regularly about my own learnings in the business at Mike F. Battle on Twitter, so please do come and say hi. Thank you again for listening. We'll see you next time.